When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet Following the truth wherever it leads Exposing evil and corruption And the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality Coming to you from the Great White North And his studio beneath the stairs Here's Richard Hello once again, and welcome to another episode of Strange Planet, and it is indeed a strange planet. And if you'd like to get a little deeper into Strange Planet, you might want to consider becoming a premium subscriber. Just click on the link in the episode notes, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. There are three monthly premium packages to choose from. Choose the one that's right for you. Essentially, you gain access to commercial-free listening, uh, bonus episodes, special bonus episodes that are produced exclusively for premium subscribers, and also a uh, subscription to my monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, strangeplanet.supportingcast.fm. All right, we are going to talk about energy and healing, but we're going to go way back way back into our ancient past, where we will discover that the ancients knew about the, the very blueprint necessary for life, for creation. And that symbol uh, for that blueprint is ever-present. It's everywhere, as uh, we are about to learn. And my guest is a, uh, a gentleman who actually began his, uh, his career in fintech um, and then went off on another journey that led to frequency healing technologies. Brent Knudsen, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Uh, really good, Richard. It, I tell you, it's a, it's a pleasure to be with you. So let's, uh, let's talk about your journey. You, you, when we say you were in fintech, you were involved in, in sort of creating uh, algorithms in the banking industry. Is that, you take it away and tell us about you. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, so back in the 80s and, uh, and early 90s, I was developing uh, uh, in the early days about moving money around through debit and credit. It was the infancy of those days. I mean, it's pretty common today, but in those days, it was uh, cutting edge to start moving money around digitally like that, right? So um, that was a lot of my background because it was all math, and that's, that's my background. So um, I was involved in the early days of getting those algorithms and uh, getting those that type of software uh, ready for, for going into the mechanisms for debit credit. And so we started a, a company in the 90s called Tangerine, Tangerine Concepts. And um, we built up uh, you know quite a network of, of stores and went public and, and things like that. Um, but, but important to note, even through those days, but I'd say mid-90s, I also became fascinated with a thing called sacred geometry, which is basically um, unique geometry shapes that that we see everywhere in history. Like I was a big I was a big fan of history and 
and trap and, and looking at, you know, Egypt and, and through Syria and, you know, what was going on and why those objects. So I was, I was a hobby fan of that in those days. And so I started to develop uh, digging into what that was. And in those days, all it was, was like, wow, that's really interesting. That's what this is. And who look at that. Oh, and then, then I started to notice, wow, that's, that's everywhere, you know? And then I started to look at churches and it was in all the churches, you know, and, it, and then it was all in all the religions. So I went, wait, wait, hang on that. Wait a second here. And then I noticed that you look at law enforcement, you know, taking the states and sheriffs and they have stars on their shirts and things like what? Well, wait a minute. That's like, what is all that? So right. that that's where it started from. But so while I was going through all the corporate end of it and and, and that was uh, been very good to me, um, I was I was studying all this in the background more as a hobby. And uh, then it became more and more evident to me that this was something that was profound that I had to get to the bottom of. This was something that had a lot to do with, you know, how things work here. Right. So, so that was, that's how it kind of worked there, Richard, before I started to, you know, really, really branch out. But those were the early days and we built up that company and uh, that, that got sold in 209. Uh, So that it freed me up. I was, financially able to really do branch out and do whatever I wanted to do. So when you talk about sacred geometry and I've done a number of, of podcasts and radio shows, and I think even a television episode uh, that's touched on sacred geometry. And I mean, it's beyond my, my pay grade. Um, I got lost after long division. So <laughs> tells you about my, my math competency, however, um, you know, and, and we would hear about, I would hear about things like, you know, the Fibonacci sequence and the golden ratio and how, uh, and pi and how they keep finding these, uh, equations and so forth at the base of the pyramids of Giza or in the cathedrals, as you mentioned of, of, of Europe. And, but I never, you know, quite understood, okay, so, you know, what is the, what is the importance of, of the sacred geometry? Like, what does it do for, for us? I mean, uh, it's one thing to find these sequences and so forth in, in these ancient structure, structures, Gobekli Tepe and, and so forth. But what does it have to do with me? And that's basically what we're going to get into right now. Um, I, want to, I want to talk to you, though, about the ancients. And, I mean, we're talking about finding some of these symbols that we're going to get into in a, in a moment in things that even predate perhaps the pyramids. Um, so let's talk about yeah, what that's... the ancients knew about the, the very foundation of creation. Yeah, no, you're, you're well said. And, and just on the note, you're saying that, hey, you're wrapping your head around it and doing that just like your public and your audience. I was the same way going, this is all cool and stuff and looking at it. But what's it mean? What's it mean to us specifically, right? This is where it gets exciting, right? Because it's one thing if it's abstract or cool, but when it actually means something that's profound to this very day. So um, when I started to see these symbols, particularly the flower of life in, in the star tetrahedron, the star tetrahedron for, for your audience would be like the star of David, but its real name is the star tetrahedron, right? Which is the six pointed star. Right. Um, and then that leads to the flower of life. I, I, I was seeing, um, going in and, and seeing objects or seeing pictures from Amadeus, which is 3,000 years before the pyramids, where they had these symbols burnt into the rocks, like not carved in, but burnt into them, right? So as far back as 6,000 years ago, right? And, and perfectly formed, right? right? So 
this is what I was looking at. Wait, this is more. This is more than what we're looking at. And what I discovered is exactly because what we were looking at is a two-dimensional object of a three-dimensional object. We couldn't see it because they didn't put it in three dimension. They put it on walls and in carvings. So we saw it two-dimensionally. Just right? uh, let, me, let me jump in here for a moment. Just if you could sort of differentiate, because we sort of use these terms now interchangeably, the star tetrahedron, the six-pointed star, and the flower of life. They're, they're the same thing? They're slightly different? What, what are they? What they are is, is one is inside of the other because uh, what one is more what you, what you're doing is the six pointed star and this and the flower of life are all based on the on the six points and then they triple out. That's where you that's where that six 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 comes from, right? So in 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 religious context, which is completely obscured from that, it's really talking to us about a blueprint, right? So. In the the reason they're connected is because they all deal with the sequences of the of the six points, right? And 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 we 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 can demonstrate that better when you show them views of this and and, and that type of thing. So what what was happening is what was obscured to me because it was all two dimensional. It's really of a three dimensional object, which is the atom itself. If you look at the atom, it's it, and, and the way it spins through the protons, neutrons, and the electron spin, it's all in six points. It's all coming around. That's what it really represents. When you broaden it out and swell it out, that's what you're looking at. And why is that profound? Because the atom is every building block of everything we know, not just not just living, but non-living, everything. Everything on our planet, matter, in our yeah. solar system, all matter. So, and so um, let me, without going further, let me explain. The only reason something's different, you or I from a table or a tree, is what frequency we vibrate at. So that's the create. So it literally is the blueprint of creation. It is the creating force, right? So that's what these symbols represented. They represented back then because they used them in different ways. They did it through crystals. They did it, you know, they didn't use electricity the same way we do now. They did it in other ways, but they were forming this on the basis of, of, of moving frequency and using that for their purposes for what they were doing. And, and that's why it was so profound. And it came from, from when you talk Syria or further back, then Syria through Egypt, because Syria is before Egypt, then Egypt through Rome. And then, then it went into traditional religions, Roman Catholic Church, right? Then it went into, uh, then it went into the mosque. Then it went also went into uh, uh, the Jewish faith. Brought those symbols in again from the same areas. Um, so so these were profound. They're not just stuck on there for for like no reason. There's a reason that that the Star of David is on the the, the Jewish flag because it has extreme significance. But if but if, but sorry, if, Richard, they're not the only ones because look at the Chinese flag that has stars on it. Look at the the U.S., it has stars, but it's a five-pointed star versus a six-pointed star. Why does that matter? The five represents the actual law, what we're confined, the five senses, what we're confined under. The sixth is beyond that. That's the sixth sense. So that's, it's beyond, it goes into the creating force. Hmm? Ah, okay. So the five stars, and you alluded uh, off the top to the, um, uh, uh, the badge, the police badge or the, the sheriff's badge. That's the five sided star that's a pentagram yeah because literally because literally richard it means the law the law that we live under 
right? What better than on the law enforcement agent, right? So it literally represents the man-made laws that we live under based on our five senses, the rule of law. Now, that's man-made law. Then there's the universal law. Well, now we get into the six-point flower life because now we're getting into universal law. That's beyond man, right? That's created for us, right? right? So that's the difference. Yeah. Now, the flower of life and the star tetrahedron are a 2D representation of an atom. Now, here's Correct. the problem. I mean, we're finding, you're finding the, the flower of life and the star tetrahedron on in in places that predate the pyramids and we didn't even know for sure i mean the, i think the ancient greeks you know philosophers thought about how matter can be sort of divided uh, without limit into smaller pieces they talked about it but they didn't know about an atom I mean, we didn't I, I think the first idea of the of an atom came about by some scottish botanist or something back in like the 1820s so Oh, even, okay. yeah, even uh, like only a hundred years ago or yeah, something. We didn't see really? an atom. Yeah. yeah, we didn't actually, yeah. couldn't see an atom before, you know, yeah. until recently. So how did the ancients know to make a 2D representation of an atom thousands and thousands and thousands of years before its discovery? Yeah, and when, well, and, and that's, and that, that is what fascinated me. That's why I, that's why when I got to the point we were talking about my bio and where I came from, but that's why when I was done with that, that I went full time into discovering that what they were doing is they were working on different ways with frequency. If you even look at the remnants of buildings in Syria and you look at the foundations of them, you can't see the pillars coming up. And if you look at them from high up and look down, they just look like a computer chip, only they're done in masonry. They just, you look down at them, they're basically, they've laid those out in certain lines to make that energy move a certain way. So they knew, they, they probably went about it a different way than what we do today, the fabricated way, but they were moving with energy. They were moving things and doing stuff based on whether they knew about the atoms specifically like we do or invisible stuff. I, I don't know, but I know that they were using, they had the blueprints for how that was working. That, that was so significant to, to them that it was everywhere. And they used the math. They, they understood the math. And, and I'll do this with you just a little bit so that we don't have to get complicated with this. As, as Nikola Tesla said, you, you work off of 3, 6, 9, and 12, right? So he said everything in the universe works off of 3, 6, 9, and 12. And it really does because let's do it. 3, 6, 9, we go to 12. If you look at 12, look at those two digits, 1 and 2, that adds to 3. Now we go 3 up, we go 15. 1 and 5 is 6. We go 3 up, we go, what is it? 18. 1 and 8 is 9. It goes on and on, and that's how we can grab it. So we'll talk how we can take um, these shapes and designs, and we can make them bend frequency to our to what we want to do. And, and in health reason, that's that's at a cellular level where we want to affect us. So we can do many things. Look what we're doing with microwaves. Look at what we're doing with cell phones. Look at what we're doing with five G. That's all frequency. That's all. That's all being manipulated. That's all math. So they. These symbols are the building blocks of this. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, a, a 2D representation of the atom. Let's do some more math here. Um, okay. So I'm guessing what we have, how many, well, how many atoms would be in a, in a, in a let's talk about the human, the human body. Uh, how many atoms are in a, in a cell? Like trillions maybe? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is exciting. This is exciting. So, so, 
just on that question, that's that's where that started to lead with me because remember we said just a little while earlier in your show, we said, what does this mean to us at a health level and at emotional, physical, it means everything. So just what you said, there's roughly about 80 trillion cells in, in a human body. And in each cell, there's roughly about between 50 and 80 trillion atoms. That's how small that is, right? And that's how many is in your body. But you know that you've been told if you split one of those atoms, have you seen the energy that comes out of that? Oh, yeah. Right? You're talking, right? So when you're, th so now let's take one of your, one of the, one of the listeners uh, uh, concept of them. So they have all this going on in their body and these atoms are exploding frequency off and they're creating what's called a toro field around their entire body. And, and, and the earth does it all around the earth through it. it, it it's a toro field. That's our energy field. And it's caused by the geomagnetic frequency of the inner earth, the molten versus also the lightning strike of the Schumann, which is, um, which we, I don't know if your audience knows this, but we have lightning strike the earth about 25 million times a day. Wow. So those two things, yeah, those two things combine and they call with what's called an earth frequency or PEMF, pulse electric magnetic frequency that surrounds everything here on this planet. And it's essential to us. Our cells respond to it like, like a fish to water. It, it's essential for us, right? And that's why that's where this comes from. This is what this starts to get into. So our, um, what did you call it? The Taurus field? Yes, a torus field is around our body because we have these. Think of think of those atoms, those eighty trillion atoms in those eighty trillion cells are exploding energy nonstop. So that that's also going around the entire body. It's go it's radiating out as it is with animals, with any living organism, and the entire earth. It that that is the energy that's moving, and we're connected to that. But we're connected completely to that. There's an algorithm to it. So. It's basically a zero to 30. In the earth, it's about what's called a seven hertz, uh, P-E-M-F, pulse electromagnetic frequency. And here's how they found out about it. When they first started sending the astronauts out into space in the 50s, their whole body started to ache. And they went, hey, wait, 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 there's something going on here. And they had to replicate it or they couldn't even have them out there. So as soon as we're outside of that, we start to break down. So that that's the proof of that it's here, Right. Uh, I, I'm getting off topic a oh, little no, no. bit, but because, no such thing. Yeah, and it, it's okay because it's so important for everybody to understand that this is essential for our health, our well-being, physically, emotionally, mentally. We this is this is our food, our essence. You know, this is what we have to have. So the ancients knew that. That's they were dealing with that. That now it it, it went through many forms, and a lot of us know it today as traditional religions. And they and they bend and weave that into whatever dogma that happens to be in that religion. But just so that everybody can find this fascinating or is interesting, every single major religion has the, those symbols in it. They have it carved into their churches. They have it carved into their floors. Um, it's it's and it's right in their windows. So this is you know profound, right? Brent, we'll take a, a time out. Come back and uh, continue to discuss. Uh, frequency, vibration, energy, uh, and uh, how they are essential for life. Stay with us.
reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Welcome back. Brent Knutson, Knutson is uh, with us. His journey from uh, fintech, financial technology, to frequency healing technologies. And uh, we're going right back to uh, understanding or trying to wrap our heads around what the ancients knew about the, the foundations or the blueprint for life. And it turns out um, this is represented in uh, the symbol, the star tetrahedron, and also the flower of life. Uh, which are two-dimensional representations of the atom. And yet these symbols have been uh, found in buildings and artifacts going, well, predating the pyramids. So uh, thousands and thousands uh, of years old, and yet we didn't really identify the atom uh, until maybe 100, 150 years ago. So here's, this is another mind-blowing thing. You mentioned the flower of life or the star tetrahedron. Um, we Not only do we see it on buildings and on the Star of David, of course, the flag of, of Israel, but we also find it in nature, in particular, uh, human reproduction. Tell me about that. Well, no, that's great, Rich. Um, I was going to mention that um, just before we go there, I was uh, thinking about something you said about you know, again, back into um, the ancients as to how did they use this stuff, right? Mm. Because they didn't have, as far as we know, they didn't have electrical power. They didn't They didn't have fossil fuels the way that we do now. You know, they didn't operate like that, right? So that that was a question just before I get, you know, to, to answer your question. So this is what's really exciting. This was the breakthrough for me. I was thinking, how would they, if they were going to use... Um, this math or shapes or algorithms, how were they going to bend these? How were they going to bend this geometric shapes to work in their favors or make it become how we, we work with it today, how we work with uh, frequency to make it form a certain algorithm, right? And how they did it, it dawned on me, they had to do it through magnetism because magnets, magnets is something that when you they, they would have been able to discover that back then because once you have earth magnets or magnetic force or things, that's where we get them today. That, so magnets don't require any electricity. They don't require any kind of fossil fuel. They don't require anything. Once I've got them, that's, my, that's how I use them for doing when I started to develop the technology, right? So that they would have available to them because it, th those things would be available back there as they are today. Once they figured out what magnets they were using, they could do all kinds of amazing things. And I'll get into that later too, okay? Now back to what you were saying, how does this relate to the human body? So once I was starting to go forward with this, and we're kind of shooting ahead, where I started to really, really get involved in understanding frequency medicine, and meeting all kinds of people and all kinds of inventors around uh, the world of frequency medicine or PEMF, pulse you know, pulse electric magnetic frequency. And by the way, all kinds of studies were done with NASA with this. NASA had to get big time into this because they needed it for the astronauts, right? So, so what I, once I, once I grasped that um, this has a profound effect on our cells, the reason that the astronauts were aching or that we ache outside of that is because at a cellular level, uh, the cells stop getting the food start stop getting the frequency that they require for healthy cells the body eliminates about 10 billion cells a day we all lose that they, they die off 
and they're replaced roughly by the same amount of cells per day. Now, the difference between us, if you, Richard, or myself are in a, a pretty good environment, a clean environment around us, those mm -hmm. new cells only know that environment, right? right? Now, if you're in a not such nice environment, i.e. that you're around a lot of chemicals or that you're, you know, uh, radiation or something, well, those cells only know that, right? So I realized it was at a cellular level. So that's where I started to look. And the most exciting thing that happened to me, probably probably the second most exciting thing other than finding the love of my life, <laughs> was um, that when I started to look at mitosis under a microscope, every one of us, including animals, insects, we all start as a one-celled creature. And the first thing we do is we form the flower of life. And we have that, we have that for you. That's proof. That's a fact. Every single one of us started as the our first six cells split was the flower of life. Now, that can't be coincidental. That is that that alone is 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 uh, is math at its finest. There is no sort of coincidence. And it's and it's not just us. It's every insect. It's every reptile. It's every mammal. It's every it's everything that's living. Right. So there's your blueprint. And uh, we and uh, I know that you'll be able to show we provide you with some things to show that to your audience. So that will be exciting for them to see so that they don't have to you know, take our word for it. Uh, this is a fact. This is how we all were formed. And then we branched out from that into various um, um, uh, then, then depending on what what animal or species we are, then you starting to get into the DNA and the structure and all of that. And that's uh, that's great. But this is the way this is the seed or the blueprint of creation. Right. So mitosis, which is cell division, it's how mm -hmm. cells reproduce, divide. We have then six, as you say, um, we all start off as one celled organisms and then that cell splits and then it's two. Then it's then it becomes six. And if you look again uh, at those six cells there, you can see. Uh, and for those of you watching this on on Rumble and YouTube, you'll see the. Uh, We'll, do, we'll overlay the uh, the flower of life or the star of David uh, over those six cells. And there there it is. That's the blueprint of all life, as you say, not just humans, but mosquitoes, rabbits, whatever, ducks. We've got two ducks here. Yeah. It was all, so, and that, again, is represented with the star tetrahedron, on, not only on the flag of Israel, but everywhere. So it was recognized by the ancients that that is... That's the, that's the blueprint. That's the, um, you could say. That's the starting point. Yeah, yeah that's the, the starting point. Fingerprint and, 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 of the creator. It, yeah, it is. It's the fingerprint of the creator, or what I call the universal intelligence. And so once, once we find that, then we go, okay, if that's the way we started, then that's what our cells respond to. It, it is their creator, right? So then, so then that led me, we're, we're skipping back to now, what did I do? I'm going, how do I recreate that so that the cells respond to it? So I really became interested in this health element, physical, emotional, spiritual. It's known, it's known as the Merkaba, which is the mind, body, and spirit. So to me, this became a life mission is saying, so how do I affect the cells? That How can I talk to those cells in the way that they optimum then respond, build their immune system, and then you've got optimum health? Right. So that's that's where that's where I started going down the road 
of building that technology, which that could be another show, but that's where we went to. But it was from, we're talking about the past, where it came from is because they showed me the way through the past by the, the overwhelming representation. And religions were formed on the basis of this. Our modern religions were formed on the basis of this. It's everywhere. It's entrenched there. It, it's almost like ridiculously them laying it out for us and saying, there it is. Now, man gets involved and says, yeah, you know, don't ne never mind that over there. You know, hey, don't go near the 666. Well, I when I heard that stuff, you know, and going, you know, that's the mark of the devil. I go, why isn't it 777 or 888? Why, why, why was it 666? Well, because 666 is leading you to the blueprint of creation. So if your doctrine is telling about somebody else that's a creator, you know, they don't really want you looking at that, right? You know, because like, you know, that kind of confuses everybody, right? Right. So right. this is how, but this is the difference between now in those religions, a lot of great stuff because that dogma has the basis of super knowledge, but it gets like with anything, it gets skewed over time or depending on what group has taken it over or whatever, you know, whatever the agenda is. So um, we won't go into that. That's, you know, hey, that's what it is. It is. But I was, I just, you know, Richard, I, I, one of my main drives was thinking, if I'm going to live this life, like we're all living, I said, how absurd would it be that I went through my whole life eating, drinking, loving, whatever I was doing. And at the end, I went, hey, that was a ride. I really don't even know what that was. I don't even know how it worked, anything. So it was a must for me to at least understand how it worked here, right? And so that's why I was driven you know, to find these things, right? Brent, we'll take another time out. We'll come back and uh, talk some more. Harmony in frequency and how it is essential for life. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. Free, free, free. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Brent Knudsen is with us, and we're talking about uh, frequency healing technologies, but we're going all the way back uh, sort of to the beginning and how the ancients knew about the, the blueprint for life. And it all starts with the star tetrahedron and the flower of life, which are two-dimensional uh, representations of the actual building block, which we know today as the atom, and of course, you've got um, 80 billion cells in your body, 50 to 80 billion um, uh, atoms in every cell. And so they're um, creating, imagine, you know, all of those atoms packed in there and they are creating what's called a, a torus field. Is that also, is that the same as an, an, our aura, do you think? Well, it, uh, um, it, People can call different things, but here, let's get more practical and something we can see. So remember I was saying that Taurus field also is around the earth? Yes. Well, you know where you can actually see it is the aurora borealis. Right. Right there. So when you're when you're seeing the northern lights and that frequency moving, that's literally the Taurus field, right? That's, that is because a lot of, um, just like with the phone, microwaves and things, you don't see that, right? We all know it's happening, but you don't see it. Well, the same thing with the Taurus field. But yes, your body has that right around it. And how we and here's how we know what's happening is we can't see it with the eye, 
But look at when people meet each other, right? They instantly have reactions and stuff. Reactions to what? They don't even know each other, right? So they're they're picking up on the fields. They're picking up on either a dysfunctional field, a functional one. Oh, sorry, sorry. Then we go to the law of attraction. So why are you attracted to some people and not others? It is the Taurus field, right? It's what's going on in that body, what's going on emotionally. So that will distort what that looks like. So subconsciously, we pick that up. But the aurora borealis is where you can actually see it, right? You know, from the Earth frequency. So that's cool. You know, right. that's really cool. So we know it's there. It's not like it's some kind of myth or something. Well, I, I flew to um, this past summer, uh, flying to Greece. I flew into Iceland first. And uh, that was the first time I had, uh, I really uh, saw uh, the aurora borealis in its, all its glory. I mean, um, nice. It was just absolutely spectacular. So, I, yeah, that's the Earth's aura, if you will. So you said yes, or Taurus field, Taurus field, field. yeah, yes, mm -hmm. Taurus yeah. field. So you um, you said something interesting about how the astronauts, you know, when they fly out, in, and this is going to be um, one of the major stumbling blocks to traveling to places like Mars, is because the astronauts are going to be separated from the Earth's Taurus field for you know, six months, a year, however long it takes them to travel to Mars and, and come back. And that's depriving their cells. Um, for, well, it's, you kind of likened it to food. So explain to me again, this, this, this harmony uh, between the Earth's um, Taurus field and the Taurus field that we produce and why our, our, our body requires uh, the Earth's Taurus field to nourish us. Yeah, now that's a great segue into what exactly I wanted to talk about next, but perfect. So, so like you say, um, when you go outside the Earth's field, um, you know, the body really starts to break down, you know, ache and stuff like that, right? So um, the reason that is, is because we're intrinsically connected to it, right? Because our formation, back to what we were talking about, how we were formed, is directly connected to it. That's why for health reasons, um, when people say, you know, you go into a quiet forest somewhere, wherever they feel so much sacred or it's a sacred place, what it is, is that frequency is, it's got a lot of that pure earth, seven Hertz frequency going on. Right. But when you're in the city or interfered by man-made, you know, whether it be cell phone towers or electricity and stuff, it's interfering with that to some degree, but people just describe it as it's more peaceful, right. Stuff right. like that. So what, what your one of your question was how do we how are they going to travel or how how would they work outside that well because of what happened to those uh astronauts we're able to recreate it so what we do and that was a big part of what i've done and am doing is i recreate that natural frequency for the body so i i i, I created an instrument that does it and i have um you know a a, a satellite instrument that goes out from that and what it does is um it recreates that now i'm not the only one there's a thing called pemf mats uh that are out there and people can go and buy them and, and they're recreating it it's multiple frequencies it, it it's proven to help with uh, uh bone structure inflammation all kinds of things right so so what we can do is we recreate it uh either through man-made um uh, structural uh, algorithms, or I do it in my case with magnetism because that's the most natural, right? So I use magnets to recreate that frequency. Hmm? 
So if so, when they go out into space or when they do do Mars travel, they'll have that built in that they'll recreate that frequency. So then that they take it's like taking Earth with you, right? (laughs) So right, so it's uh, yeah. So that's so I just wanted to answer your question because you had a, a question in there of how they would do that, which leads me into how did I do it? So we were talking earlier about how I believe the ancients used magnetism to bend frequency because they didn't use what we do today to do it because apparently they didn't have electricity and, you know, they they didn't have those actual earth magnets that just exist. uh... Because earth magnets exist then they, they, the the magnetics of the ground and everything, they, they found that that that's how we found it. Right. So there's material that's called, you know, that we, we take in and earth magnets, right. Uh, They have a, so, so I started there and what I did is I kept moving the shape to the exact shape of the the flower of life, star tetrahedron, but in the atom form, as close as I could get to the atomic form of it. And I kept playing with magnets in shapes until they could lock that force in. So I played around with it until I got the magnetic. Uh, I had to get the right magnets. They're neodymium, strong. Mag- they don't lose their magnetism for like 20 years. And then what I did is I locked that shape, that geometric shape in the math so that it had so that those magnets couldn't move and they forced out a, uh, what was called a um, a torus frequency right around them, right? So I, I did that in, in a machine form that um, as you, so how it works is you it starts with geometry and then in order to glue that or put like to, to bond that geometry together, I use magnets and then I put motion to them, just like the earth and then spin it out. And I can create different frequencies that the cells respond to just like we do here. So that's but, without getting too complicated. That's yeah, and we're going to get more into the uh, the technology um, in a, maybe in a subsequent um, episode. Yes. When yeah. you talk about, so you're taking these uh, magnets and you're you're putting them in a particular array or form um, so that they are producing a particular frequency. Um, how do you how do you measure? Like, how do you know? What are you just going visually? Like, how can I create a frequency that looks like the, the the flower of life, or that looks like a star tetrahedron, or how does? Yeah, that- no, that's a great, great question. So, well, think so. Think about it. I'm going through all this stuff for years, looking at it. Going, hmm, what's that? Okay, what? So, I took those blueprints from the past and started to to mold them into a pocket, right? So, let, so if we take the flower of life, I played around with that geometric form in a in in a mold right so in a molding Mm -hmm. so then i molded it and i played with it and then i put the magnets in the like the petal shapes the structure shapes in there and kept playing with it on different sizes shapes and strengths until it locked into the frequency i was looking for right now you're saying well what frequency was i looking for it's easy because pemf has formulas pulse electric magnetic frequency they have formulas for it's like a recipe for a cake. They set, NASA set those formulas. They set those recipes that if you hit this frequency, this is what it does to the cell. If you hit this frequency, this is, but they do it in a man-made way, an electronic way, right? So I thought, well, I don't want to, I'm going to replicate that, but in a, but in a magnetic shape. And I'm going to use the building blocks because my theory was if I use the building blocks, I'm going to hit those same frequencies, great, but I'm going to do it the most natural way. That the, I want the cells, they're already responding to 
to what NASA was doing, but I want them to respond even greater because it's it's more natural to them, right? And so that's where I started playing around with the, the magnets and the shapes until I got it. So let me just see if I understand. So again, we come back to this these ancient symbols, the star tetrahedron and the flower of life. If they are representative of the atom and of the building block of creation, then it only stands to reason that if you create an array of magnets in the same shape, it's going to produce frequencies um, that also are key to the, the to the creation of life and to the the, the, the sustaining and nurturing of, of life. Is that the idea? Yeah, it's because it's how we started. Hmm. Remember, we go back. This is great what you just said, because remember a little earlier we talked about it's how we were formed. It's how we started out. So it, it was like a glove. It's it was like a handshake. It just the cells go, we recognize this right from the get-go because this is where we come from. Because when I said it's like food to the cell, the fact that we eat food is a secondary to break it down into frequency. That's all food is for anything. Uh-huh. It's just a it's just an energy, right? So the thing is, why why don't we want to skip that, get right to what the cell is looking for, right? This, the fact that we eat and get minerals and things, we break it down to then build the cell. But what the cell really responds to is pure the pure frequency in itself. That's what it's looking for, right? So, so, so what, you know, once upon a time you know, before we built cell towers and, um, you know, um, electrical power lines and so forth, before any of that, the earth was producing, well, the earth does produce these same frequencies, uh, and, and, but they were unadulterated because we didn't have anything sort of, you know, we didn't have this electronic smog and so forth. And, um, so simply by walking through the environment, walking barefoot through the grass, I mean, how great does that feel? Walking barefoot on the sand. Yeah. Tesla talked about, you know, how he just getting out and walking, uh, it, it doesn't, I mean, it makes us feel better, but there's, it's not just you know, uh, psychological, there's a, there's a, a physical prin- principle, a fiscal, uh, yeah, phys- a principle of physics at work here, right? Oh, I, yeah, you've nailed it because you just nailed it because you just said physics. So everybody, this will make perfect sense. Right now, we're in the world of chemistry. Our health is dealt on a chemistry level, right? Pharmaceuticals, drugs, right? Vaccines, that's all chemical, right? Now, it works. It, it will deal with the uh, symptoms very nicely. You know, you take a Tylenol, that will get rid of the pain. That's not the root cause. So if you're hungover, if you've been drinking and you're hungover, you're dehydrated, right? So what what you need is you need to get lots of water and get undehydrated, right? But, it, but the pain's there. So if you block the pain out, the chemical took care of that, but it didn't take care of that you're dehydrated, right? So, so that, 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 but we live in the world of instant and we deal in the world of chemistry. So that's why we have so many side effects because the body goes, okay, you got rid of that, but it doesn't jive with us, right? It doesn't jive with your liver, your kidneys, and your stomach, right? Because those cells, remember, the cells that, that build your stomach or kidney are exactly the same cells. They've just formed a different organ, right? right. So, so now when, we, when we're, we're now talking physics, now the body goes, now you're talking. Now, it wasn't that long ago, Richard, that we used to do a thing called exploratory surgery. Mm-hmm. They used to cut you open to find out what was wrong with you. Okay. Now we have a thing we deal with 
physics. We have MRIs, CAT scans. So when they go to, to, to um, look at what's wrong with you, they use physics. But then when they go to treat you, it's back to chemical, right? It's back to chemistry. It's back to, okay, but why is that? Okay, that's the question. That's the future probably will be physics. So down the road, when all the battles are fought or whatever all that is, we have to go to physics. That's that's ultimately, and that's what we're talking here. So when I was talking about how the cells respond, that's physics. That's not chemistry. So it doesn't, the body, the cells don't need something going into it that does this, that side affects this. It just goes, it responds to that and it builds up because your cells are like little batteries. Do you know that if, you're, if your cells are more than 40 to 60% charged, right? There is no cancer. Now, if they go below that, if, 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 they, if they go down or your immune system is down to that, you're susceptible to it. Now, why that's so interesting and why that definitely works. The only real cancer that we've never really heard too much about and almost doesn't exist and I don't even know where it exists is heart cancer. There's no such thing. Well, it's okay? very rare. It is. It's very rare. It's extremely rare. And it's usually triggered by something else. And that's because it has such an electrical field. That's all it is. Okay. Again, this is where I'm going from. It, it has the highest electrical field, which so not, not. So why wouldn't we want to be charging up all those cells around and stuff right when we're dealing on those levels? So anyway, we deal in chemistry. We need to go to physics. We're getting there. You know, we, 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 we now do diagnosing with physics and that's way better than cutting you open in the old days. Right. So, you know, so, but these, this is what we're really talking about, right? The future of uh, medicine will be physics, not chemistry. This is a, maybe a good a place to, uh, to leave it. Um, okay. This is kind of a, a look back at, uh, you know, at where we were in the past, um, you know, the, uh, the building blocks of creation, what the ancients knew about it, the, the, um, star uh, tetrahedron and the flower of life, how that is the um, ingrained in, in, in nature. It's part of, you know, we can see it in, in uh, mitosis and uh, cell division. Um, and these frequencies uh, that are produced by the earth uh, naturally are so Im important to human uh, health and flourishing and so forth. Um, so we'll, um, when we come back the next time, we'll talk about where we are right now and, and what is having such a negative impact, um, how we have, um, we are in disharmony, uh, in terms of frequency and how we can get back to, uh, where we need to be. Brent, great speaking with you. Thank you so much. Uh, leave us with a, with a website. People can just on their own uh, explore a little bit further until we, uh, we talk again. Uh, yeah. So, uh, again, I can send you to, uh, a website on some of the technology called purewavecell.com. So it's uh, all one word, purewave.com. Sorry, purewavecell, C-E-L-L.com. And that'll give you some of the technology I'm working with. And then we can talk more about other stuff when we get to the presence and, and then the future, what we're doing, which is, uh, by the way, folks, is super bright, like super exciting to, to bring this to you. Brent Knudsen, thank you so much. We'll talk again. Thank you. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 